Developing leadership and skills in students is a goal you see in most school and board plans. As educators, we often talk about the importance of fostering leadership in our students and teaching them to use their voice. In the DDSB, one of our board's stated priorities is leadership, where we state that we look to identify future leaders and actively develop them. In schools across the district, you see leadership opportunities being provided both at the school and system level. However, for as much as we say this is a goal, it is important that we take the time to dig deeper and reflect on who are the students that come forth as leaders, and, equal, and more equally as important, who don't? It's important for us to recognize that there may be systemic barriers that center certain identities and create conditions where students from historically marginalized groups may not be encouraged to see themselves as leaders. We need to have honest conversations and discussions on what is working, the challenges we face, and what needs to be changed as we work to foster leadership in all of our students. Welcome to Calling Up Episode 4, a focus on student leadership. Today, I'm excited to be with you with, with you with a wonderful group of school leaders to have this discussion. My name is Nazneen Dindar, my pronouns, pronouns are she, her, and I'm an elementary school principal in Whitby. With me are some wonderful panelists who are going to share their experiences and thoughts on how they foster student leadership. So I'm going to start with asking Paul to introduce himself. Good evening, everybody. My name is Paul Haynes. I'm an elementary school principal in Pickering. Hi, I'm Jennifer. I'm a secondary administrator. My pronouns are she and her. I'm white cisgendered woman and I'm able-bodied, although some days recently not so able-bodied as I grow older. I live um, and work on the territory of the Mississaugas of Skugog Island First Nation. And uh, I'm a wife and a mom with two boys. And I've been an educator uh, for over 20 years. Hi, my name is Sue Nevelitz. I am a secondary vice principal in Ajax. I identify as Black. I am super excited to be in the role supporting students, especially in a time when I think students need more support, you know, within our education system than ever. So I'm excited. Well, thank you, everybody. I'm excited too. I think we're gonna have some great conversations. Um, I'm gonna start with uh, a question and uh, just gonna ask you to think about this. So what are some ways that you have leveraged student leadership to combat oppression? Um, one way uh, I've tried to leverage it is we have a student leadership group at one of the schools I was at and um, kind of inspired by Martin Luther King's I have a dream uh, speech. We talked about the the dream project at the school. So the entire uh, student leadership ran a student-led assembly, talked about the importance of having a dreams that could uh, make a difference for the future, where uh, looked at, at problems within society that they could help to be uh, part of the solution and asked every student in the school to think about what their dream was for the future and how it is that, uh, they can take concrete steps to try and move forward and progress towards that dream, both within the school and in society in general. I love that, Paul, because you're talking about how you're leveraging their interests and getting them to take something that they're passionate about and, and thinking about as as to center that, which is which is great because it is all about the students, right, and what matters to them, and that's what what you're doing and doing that jump in. Uh, so I'll talk a little bit about my past as a drama teacher 
So I was lucky enough to be a drama teacher for many years. And there was always great opportunity to have student voice and leadership um, in the, the drama classroom and then also outside of the drama classroom extracurricularly. And so through that, um, the students were able to take the lead in bringing issues that they wanted, that they were important to them, and then be leaders in the, in the community and uh, in the school um, in terms of bringing their experiences and their authentic voice um, to their peers. So there was a couple of different things that we, we focused on. Um, there was a play that the kids developed called Poison Words, which addressed um, homophobia at our school and the students created that play together and then they presented it to the student body and then they had time afterward where they just had discussion with the audiences like with the classes that came down to see it so that was a really great opportunity for the students to be able to have their voice and also be able to talk and discuss with their peers about what's important to them and then that spread as well to the classrooms later on where there were continued discussions about that and um, found that that was really effective. And then from that, we developed other plays um, that addressed other issues that students wanted to bring forward. So one of the other plays we did, our class did in conjunction with um, the Black Studies course uh, was a, a play called The N-Word. And so the kiddos in the Black Studies course wanted to be able to talk to the student body about uh, the harmful impact that word was having in our building. And so we worked together as a collaborative team between our my senior drama class and the Black Studies class. And we developed a play that we presented to the, the student body on the same format. So they presented it to various classes and then Afterward, we had time to discuss and interact with with the classes that came to see it. Uh, we've also done other years with the younger kids, like nine and ten plays on bullying, and so the kids brought their own experiences, uh, and we developed scenes based on their experience and their authentic voice and what what the impacts have been on them, and being able to share that and then talk about it and find ways to to cha make change. <laughs> No, I like what you're saying with regards to that very important student's voice piece. And I think the reason I, I value it and I think it's so important is because it's something that we really try to foster for a long time now. And so I think when you have individuals or groups of people in spaces that are really paying attention to what student voice looks like and how to do it in an authentic way as opposed to checking a box, I think it's powerful. So for me, I feel like going into spaces, you know, leveraging student leadership, it is quite the process. And I think because at times they there's a misconception that schools are welcoming spaces. And I think the reason that's a misconception in some cases is because on the surface, we understand inclusion. We understand what it means to have a welcoming building. And so we try very hard, I think, as educators within a school system to foster that. But the piece I think sometimes that gets overlooked is whether or not you've, you've 
actually hit that marker. So this year, one of the things that I kind of listening to our students wanted, they wanted to have their own Black Students Association. And this sort of, sort of taken me on this little journey because there were a few things that I realized about these spaces that we're trying to create to honor our students, right? So again, I want to help them carve out space for themselves. I want to give them a forum where they can see themselves represented and develop their leadership skills. But I think sometimes what happens is they see a lot of what has happened in their school careers and they want to emulate certain things, but in that process, they, they've lost who they are somehow. Right, So they individually know who they are. And if you were to ask, and we have a plethora of different walks of life, different you know, mixes, because Black is not a monolith. We have lots of representation that's happening there. So they know who they are individually. They know what they don't see in the building. They know what they want to see. What they haven't quite figured out yet is who are they collectively? What is the message they wish to send? And how do you fight against some of these places and spaces that were created for other students to exist? Because one almost stifles out the other, right? Because now we are a newer group who's trying to find a way to stand as tall as some of the others in a system that is traditional, that doesn't necessarily see us as being not worthy of representation, but see us represented. And then how do you foster that? Because that actually is a system of oppression, if that makes sense. Yeah. And just to add on to that, Sue, like that idea of creating space for students to be able to be and do and find their leadership is important because you can't always wait for students to come to you and say, I would like to do this. You, sometimes you need to create the space and then then they sometimes will like I found I found this as an administrator here like might put out the call to like is there anybody who's interested in this and I'll have a few students say well I'm interested but what would it involve like what what are the meetings going to be like and it's just like they're going to be exactly how you want them to be like whatever you want to do with those with that group or that club will be how you envision it right and you can give them some loose structure as you would you know in a class or whatever but you really gotta i, I find that it, the best results it are when you give them the opportunity to be creative and to um and to do what they're interested in doing at that time I, and let them take the lead sometimes that's the hardest part is letting the students take the lead right? mean, I, I like what you said there uh jen and, and i mean you, i i'm Sometimes it isn't just, you know, I've done the kind of uh, the the equity club, right, which is fantastic. And I love that. And we have some types of kids that come out to those clubs and they want to be there and be part of it and go out and change the world. Um, and I think those are great opportunities. And we need to make sure we give those opportunities. But I also think there's um, there has to be a time to uh, expand what we traditionally see of things at schools. And I'll give you an example. When I coached basketball, I didn't know how to coach basketball. I got involved because there was a group of kids that people didn't want to coach. So I said, I'll coach these guys. So we got together and we built a relationship and I coached them for grade six, grade seven, grade eight. 
And by the end of grade six, you know, they would be like, are you going to coach next year? And I said, for sure. And so I said, but next year, if you want to be on the team, you have to be on the boys book club. What do you mean you have to be? You want to play basketball? You need to be in the boys book club. Well, I don't want to be in the boys, but the, the Raptors go and they read in schools all the time. If you guys think you're better than the Raptors, so okay, we're going to be on the boys book club. And then um, this was around the time that uh, uh, Obama got elected. So I said, you know what? The inauguration's on at lunch. We're going to be watching it. My expectations, the team comes. We don't want to go. We want. I, I understand you don't want to come. If you want to be on the team, you need to come. To, these are these. This is part of being on that team, right? Another student came up with this thing. On a game day, he wanted everyone to wear a shirt and tie. All right? Are we all agreeing? So now we, we would go around to play basketball. And these other schools had no idea what was going on because we'd walk in with shirts and ties and everything else and – they felt great about themselves. And what was amazing is as they started to be in this book club and read to younger students, they started to see themselves in different ways. And this is what I mean by expanding the clubs. Because in my equity group, I'd put a call out to, you know, who wants to be part of it? And it would be people um, who are fine to put themselves out there and, and have no problem kind of, you know, uh, uh, trying to, to, to make the world a better place. But sometimes for me, it's how do we leverage the existing things that we have to create something that's a bit more memorable. And that group of kids and I uh, had an amazing three years together and, and I'm still in touch with most of them. And we talk a lot of, about things, but we don't talk that much about basketball, which was hilarious because that was the, the thing that really kind of brought us together. So how do we enlarge uh, those traditional spaces and, and help kids to see themselves in a different way, right? And I think that that kind of speaks to the, like the second question here is asking us to kind of look at challenges. And I think that you, Paul, just hits the nail on the head with the challenge. And I think what I'm learning in my own journey is we have really defined I think if you were to ask more, most educators what you know their purpose is, they all tell you about educating children. They're telling you about building skills that translate into a societal structure that will allow them to foster some kind of existence after school. What I'm learning on my own kind of journey with this particular group is we've Given that, they've heard that messaging, they've heard that all their lives. They know leader, 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 leader. What they don't know is how to be a leader. They don't know how to take initiative. They don't know, they, they understand that there is something that is missing in the representation of how they view and see themselves in their own school context. What they haven't figured out and where the challenge is for me I think as as part of the staff advisors in this particular group is to foster and nurture that with without stifling that creativity. I also think trying to carve out space, being a black educator, it it, it this matters, I think, more to me because I do have children, my own children in the system, and I do want them to feel like there are spaces for them that they will be able to be a part of and have voice in and what have you. So the pressure to, to make this into something 
I think sometimes is there for, for us as educators as well. Because again, you know, when you're trying something new and you want students to get on board, you want it to flourish, you don't want to kill it. And so sometimes, you know, when you overwatch or something or you stifle it with your own, you know, passion or what have you, then that becomes almost a part of the obstacle. So for me, I feel this differently, I think, than if I were trying to just offer a space for a club that is student generated, like it's these students came and they wanted this. And so this is what we kind of decided, okay, this is coming out of there. They are the driver, we want to do it. But there's that added pressure about doing it well. Very interesting that you should say that. Um, I really appreciate the conversation here because one of the things that I think what you're sort of touching on something that you have me thinking, all of you have me thinking about is this idea that I think we have to um, consider the fact of what leadership is and actually recognizing that traditional views of what a who a leader is, what a leader, what leadership looks like is rooted in, um, in, in practices that center certain identities and certain ways of being. And so, so when you say that, that the students don't have, you know, they're trying to, to figure out who they are in this space, carve out the space, it's also recognizing that they have those skills because they have received messages throughout their life that who they are, how they present themselves to the world, the way, their ways of being are not leaders. And so we almost have to break those barriers down to help them see themselves as leaders. But we also have to do the work of ourselves and really us looking at what we see as leaders. And we are, you know, we are talking now a little bit about the obstacles and what the what kind of obstacles are you noticing, Paul? Do you notice challenges you find? Well, you kind of shared sort of how you work through that, and I didn't know if you had any others. I, I, you know, it, it's it's interesting. One thing I've learned in my time in education is a lot of educators uh, were well behaved in school. I was sometimes well behaved in school, and sometimes I didn't behave in school. So any kid that I come across that has any kind of uh, behavior challenges or, uh, you know, I, for me, I, I have some empathy with them because I, it wasn't like I was uh, trying to be disruptive or, or things like that when I was going through school. So I appreciate that for any of the students that I come across um, that maybe aren't uh, perfectly well behaved, they can still be incredible leaders. And and sometimes I'm, I'll often say they're leading anyway. Right. So, so we, we want to try and, and work with these kids and maybe adjust their sale a little bit to kind of get them to lead in, in positive directions. And, and so I think the one thing for me, and I appreciate what Susanna said, it, it's, I think our kids, the, the things we produce in schools aren't necessarily for me, that's not the, the product or the goal. The goal for me is the student development. So if we get to the end of whatever thing we're trying to do and the kids have learned through that process and can do something better next time, for me, that's the, the most important thing as opposed to the product that we produce at the end. I know it it looks good and we want those things in our schools about giving them the confidence um, to try something different, to see themselves in a different light, to uh, to do something that maybe they wouldn't have done in the past. Yeah, and I think to add on to that in terms of challenges for kiddos, 
all kiddos who have the potential to be leaders or who are already leaders, but they may not recognize themselves as leaders. Um, and any any kids that are doing that are leading in anti-oppressive ways, part of the challenge too is the pushback that they may receive from their own peers. And sometimes that's the hardest piece for, for them to handle. So part of our role, I think, um, is to help support them and help them navigate through those difficult challenges of, of even, you know, dealing with their, their peers and the pushback they might get from them. Um, and giving them the opportunity to build confidence through low risk situations and scenarios, I think is important to, to build as, as you mentioned, um, Sue, before that, you know, we have a, students who may not use, be used to being leaders or being seen as leaders. And then how, how do we foster that in them? And, um, you know, they may just need space and they may just need a bit of guidance from us um, in order to build that confidence. Um, but the most important thing is that, like, we may provide the shape and, and the structure um, and the space, but, um, and ask, ask questions along the way to help provoke um, ideas, but the ideas should come from them and the voice should come from them and the energy should come from them in terms of what directions or how they how they want to like where they want to go with whatever whatever focus that they're doing. So when I was saying initially that 2022 students are going to need more support now than ever, I think that that, you know, movements like Black Lives Matter, movements where you have these profound statements that are being made really did shed some light on the kind of work that needed to be done, needs to be done, continues to be done and needs to continue to be done. But I also think that this is where the students struggle a little bit, because I think as Nazina is saying, when you look at what a traditional model of a leader is, for many of our students, they grew up and that's all they know. So when we talk about having that end product, they are driving an end product without realizing that the end product is the work that they pour into themselves. They don't quite view it that way. They want to be seen and heard in a very traditional light because in their mind, that is what equals leadership. And I think that dismantling, that chipping away of these ideas to be able to really focus on, you know, breaking down systems of oppression, that is, that's the work. It's the, it's, it's the work that we need to do for our kids, about our kids and with our students, because the reality is they view themselves in a light because they've been told, you know, as many of us have stated that this is what a leader is, this is who a leader is, and you better fit this mold or else. And so I think a part of the challenge within that is to get them to see their own self-worth to see their own value. And so this is why when I was saying that, you know, you have all of these spaces that are welcoming and inclusive on the surface, that is why, and I see it even in a lot of the buildings around and talking with colleagues and what have you, I think advisors, staff advisors view their spaces as welcoming and inclusive. But when you ask the students, as much as no one is telling you that you cannot go into these spaces, they're telling you that you can, they are not going because they do not see themselves as represented and there's nothing in those spaces for them. As you talk about that, it's that maybe people are thinking that their spaces are inclusive as long as you become like what we're asking you to be. 
So you sure we're going to open up the space to anybody can come in, but again, we're still centering the values and ways of being of one identity and saying, if you can be like that, then you can be in this space. So we think we're being inclusive or spaces, but we're not. Uh, I had the, the pleasure once of going to the National Association of Black School Educators Conference in Detroit. And I remember one of the speakers there said, when we are teaching in schools, we have to teach a variety of things. We can't just teach one thing. And I remember him saying, take us back to when we were kings. And I remember thinking and reflecting then, um, what, what are the stories that we're telling kids, right? What have we taught them in schools? Are we holding up um, um, a variety of, of leaders in our schools as kind of role models for learning? Uh, I learned the other day, um, and it kind of amazed me. So I guess Viola Desmond's sister did a lot of the work uh, to kind of promote change and stuff like that. And I remember thinking when I heard that, how come I don't know that? Right. And I talked to some of the, the kids at my school and I talked to some of the staff at my school and I thought it was very interesting to me. This lady's on, on our money. She's on the $10 bill. How come I only know a little bit about her? Why don't we know more about that? And I think for me, some of that is how then do I kind of become a co-learner with them? So, you know what? I don't know this, what happened here, Let, let's find out why we don't know that, right? So that, um, first of all, kids don't think that we somehow have all the answers because we know we don't, right? But that they see us that that we're learning too, right? That that we we don't know necessarily all of the uh, the answers for the the challenges that we have, but we want to uh, co-learn with them and go on that journey with them. And I think that is a really important thing when an adult says, you know, I don't know about that. Tell, let's, let's figure that out. Let's learn that together. Teach me about that. And for kids, I think that's very empowering. We've talked a lot about sort of um, how a student agency has in leadership has changed over time. It's, it, we've been having that conversation about how, you know, now in 2022, things are different because of there's a, it, more of a push for that. And, and the impact and, you know, discussing sort of the impact of that shift. So, so now the question really is now what, you know, what, what do, what are the next steps for us as education leaders? Um, and, and what is that impact of that shift? You know, and, and what, what, what do we do next? How do we promote leadership as we are moving forward and in promote trying to work on promoting leadership in our students and in, in our students who are coming from, you know, historically groups that, we're not seen as leaders. So what do we do next? Where, where are our next steps? One of the things that I worry about over time is I feel like sometimes in some ways we've become more protective of um, students and kids and not allowed them the opportunity to uh, practice leading and that we do a lot for them. So I worry that um, we structure things really intensely and um, so I think moving forward, something that we can do is let go a little bit of our own um, control. And I think that's really important with student leadership um, is just allowing them the opportunity to um, rise to the challenge 
and of course being there to help them navigate and negotiate and uh you know certain situations and stuff like that but uh i just worry that sometimes we may like i just think of when when i was in high school i was i went to a very small high school and so if you wanted to have any kind of team or extracurricular or whatever the students had to do it like the the teachers there wasn't enough staff to to be staff supervisors so we we really did everything the students really did everything like we booked the town hall to have practices in we all all the stuff all the things and so it really fostered a lot of and it was generational okay so um the the nines would see the twelves running things and doing things and it, it they saw so they saw themselves in that role as leaders and so when the nines coming in or you know i'm thinking high school mode here but when nines coming in see themselves like see their peers see their the grade 12s or the grade 11s in leadership roles running things scheduling things like do, like taking that role it's really helps foster that the the younger kids and seeing yeah i could do that there's me i see me i see myself in that um and so it, it fosters a culture of of leadership amongst the students that kind of goes back it's more organic and it's sort of what sue mentioned earlier we're not talking about the pro product the product mm -hmm. we get so concerned with the product mm -hmm. that sometimes mm -hmm. that process it's the process yep it could with when we're looking at older students mentoring and supporting younger students and 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 also realizing that we're not the ones that always own that understanding of what leadership should look like so the students themselves can be those leaders to lead the youngers and and sometimes okay and take stepping ourselves back and saying the leaders are here we just have to let the leaders be the leaders in whatever way that looks like for them and guide them and support them so add i think another step that i kind of see that's a necessary step is for educational leaders themselves to go through their own journey i do think that it is important for educators to understand that things are changing, that things are not, go not going to be like they were in yesteryear. I think sometimes what happens when you get to, you know, the past couple of years, few years that we have had here in education, there is, you know, a bit of that fear and what fear breeds is that then you hold on to things that you might have done, you know, prior to in your career. So I think that some of the more traditional views on leadership, I think where some of the struggle is, is the educational leaders, the adults in the building, there's a rigidity there because that in their mind is how we get back on track. I think there needs to be an acknowledgement that you know infusing student voice and in some regards parent voice, it does change things. It changes the trajectory as it should. So that kind of, you know, model where you're going to be the staff advisor who is all encompassing and you're there setting decisions and roles and what have you, you end up fueling the antiquated system. It's not just about what can we do with students to get them on board to be able to be these leaders, right? You're trying to model what you want your students to see. You cannot have it both ways. You cannot have a rigidity in your thinking and then try to teach students how to think creatively. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. 
we have to understand even our fostering of student leadership has been done in a historically systemically oppressive system. And so we, we have to recognize that, that our own views and ideas of leadership have, have come from being part of that system. And even as us as educators and leaders in the system, even us as you know administrator leaders, we have been successes of that system. So that means that somehow we net, we worked, we, we, we were able to be part of what that system wanted, but we need to understand that part of that is really understanding how it is also a systemic, it, it, it's part of systemic oppression. And we need to, and, and looking at fostering student leadership is, is breaking down those barriers that exist for students. I think just um, moving forward to thinking about like next steps, now what? Um, we need to think about like what space and time are we providing for students to gather and connect and collaborate with each other? And how are we making sure that that space is safe and caring and supportive? And then um, how are we providing opportunities for voice and opportunities to really listen to that voice? And then how are we acting on what we hear and how are we following up on what we hear? And um, are we looking at, for example, in secondary school, are we looking at um, who's being elected to student council? And is it representing our whole student body? Or are certain groups being overrepresented or fostered in that student body? And how can we, uh, how can we make that more open if that's not the case? How can we, how can we encourage more student leadership from various groups that may not be represented on things like a student council? Um, are we looking at our process for valedictorian, how that person is chosen? Um, and are we looking at like the various reps that we have on certain like committees and, and clubs throughout our school? Um, yeah, so those are just some maybe some things to think about going forward. Like what now is just to have a good look at who's being represented and who isn't. And are there ways that we can encourage representation from all, all folks in our student body? I also think it's important to offer staff the opportunity to be a part of these types of conversations because ultimately as administrators, yes, I'm here and I'm trying. I'm here and I'm trying to kind of do a few things, but the reality is whatever legacy or whatever environment is going to be created within a school, it's going to come sort of on the backs of, you know, staff. And so I think it is also important to be able to provide opportunities for staff to see, hear, listen, but also be a part of the conversation because I do think we are fragmented. Time gets away from us, situations happen. You know, you're running from this thing to this thing. There's always some kind of political something that's putting a pressure point on how we go about our days. So I think the pause and also opportunity to remind staff, you know, have them walk through halls and see, what do you see with fresh eyes? Can you change your perspective while you're doing these things? Can you go through a building and look at it through the perspective of a parent? Is a parent going to view things the same way that you view things? Because I do think that, you know, 
there is sort of this idea sometimes that people who sit in, in power or in positions of authority, you have to respect out of that position. And I think even that thinking needs to shift somehow because this is a partnership. One side feeds the other. And the end result is whatever you're going to be able to pull out of, pour into and pull out of students. And so I think giving staff the opportunity to be heard, what are they seeing? What are they thinking? Does it align with, you know, current policies that are put in play here at the board? Are there opportunities through conversation to shift people's mindsets? Are there opportunities? Because regardless of how we view it, we need the partnership to continue because at the end of the day, it's all levels of support that are going to be used and needed to propel students, to lift them from where they currently are right now. In closing for me, it's we, we need to give a variety of experiences to a variety of people. We need to remember that, uh, you know, that there is much as much diversity within any group as there is between groups. And so different opportunities are going to appeal uh, to different people. And so we need to give a variety of opportunities for our students. And I agree with you, Susanna, we need to support our staff in helping them to grow and have different experiences and help them to see uh students in different lights by by being part of these clubs or committees or teams or whatever it is that we're looking to put in place um so that ultimately you get whatever the goal of that club was and you get some growth in students you get some growth in staff you get some growth in us um because that's what needs to continue to happen is is learning and growing um together as a team i, I couldn't agree more well, thank you, everybody. I very much appreciate this conversation. Um, lots of, th has me thinking about a lot of things as well. So thank you for your contributions. Um, I think it is evident just listening to you about how passionate you are about fostering student leadership, but it is very layered. I mean, I think the conversation has showed us there's many layers to it. it. It is about our students. It is about us looking at ourselves. It's about us having our staff reflect on their practices. It's not as simple as just setting up the set situation saying we want student leaders. There has to be intentionality. There has to be thought. There has to be consideration um, around what's happening. We have to take it, understand it within our understanding that there are barriers that have been there and how do we actually dismantle it there has to be a lot of intentionality and it it is going to require a lot of thinking on our part and it's going to require us to really take the time to be intentional have these conversations so i've really appreciated this conversation and i i think these conversations are how we do move practice forward because we learn from each other in these discussions so thank you everyone and i really appreciate it um, this conversation and it's been wonderful talking to all of you and with you.